it's just such a joy and a privilege to be here with uh, your pastor and Jessica and see their beautiful daughter on the piano and know that, like the song we sang this morning, the alabaster jar, with every heartbeat, God, for your glory. And I think about those times that you spend investing in people's families and their lives and their teenagers and their children like you're doing with Time to Build one of the days, can you just imagine when one of those kids from back there, like I'm experiencing right now, some of our kids are having a vision for millions of dollars for people to know Jesus and have him change their life. You're going to have that. You're going to be sitting there and see some of them say, now we have a vision for our city that God has sent us to. And it's a ripple effect. So I just thank you so much for that. I, I want to show you this picture, and then I'm going to show you a video. Um, I want you to see our family. Thank you so much for uh, supporting us in our mission call. It is truly amazing. And this is, you know, when God calls you, it really is a family affair. Um, you know, I our youngest daughter is down here. She's 26, Erica, on the bottom. She's the only one not married yet. She lives in Springfield, works for the Assemblies of God World Missions. But she has said, Mom, I don't have a family. And um, I'm going to miss you a lot. So you're praying for her because it's a sacrifice for her, too, to say, I released my parents. I, we're, we're really close, and we talk every day. And, um, you know, we still will be able to talk some, but it'll be uh, at, at different times of the day around the country, right, around the world. Um, also, that little one in the top middle, that is Giovanna Daniela Paletta, good Italian name. That is my first granddaughter, and if any of you have ever um, heard me or know me at all, you know how much my grandmother, who's 99, still in the ministry, means to me. And for me to now have my own granddaughter to somehow be able to give back what my grandmother has given to me over the years is just, uh, you know, I say sometimes it's like we have things in our hands. That's what you did this morning with Time to Build, and we give it back to God. And, And that little Giovanna is one one of six grandchildren that I have to say, God, they're in your hands, and you're going to watch over them for me. Um, And she belongs to the family down here on the left. The two boys up top, they're cousins. That's my two, Rocco and and Dominic. Those are also good Italian names. But I need you to know there's another little girl. So Giovanna is three months. I have another one, London Nicole, who is one month old, and her picture's not up there yet. Um, she's a, got a European name, but not Italian, but you know, her last name's Smith. So what can we do? Um, I went from Jones to Pasquale, so I guess it's okay if she went, my daughter went from Pasquale to Smith. And, uh, so we have Dominic and London and Rocco and Giovanna. And then down here, I want you to see the wedding picture. I'm sorry, it's not bigger and clearer for you, but, um, that's Jacqueline, our oldest daughter. And, You'll hear about her as I share with you this morning, but I want you to look at that picture, that wedding picture. That is the picture of redemption right there. That is the picture of God answering prayers. And um, so you'll hear about her and their Giovanna's family. And now we have also two teenagers, Jordan and Emma. So um, it's just amazing. And then I want you to meet my husband, Rick, who, thank you, Pastor for sharing us today. We, he is in New Hampshire sharing the word with a, uh, not a new pastor friend of ours, but the pastor is at a new church in New Hampshire, and they haven't given to missions very much yet, and the pastor wants them to. So this weekend, because Pastor Ben so graciously shared us, we, uh, we don't call it dividing, we call it multiplying, but we're multiplying our efforts, and he 
actually was doing some mentoring and teaching of their missions board, their leadership board. They had a missions banquet for the first time, and we'll be sharing in ministry today, this morning and tonight. So um, you're a part of that as well. So I thank you for that. But I want you to meet Rick for just a minute, and then I'll come back. God promised that our latter days would be greater than our former. And there's so many people that need Jesus Christ. And our journey of 35 years of preaching this gospel and God now to strategically place us in Rome to reach our world, wow. You know, our goal is to reach one million immigrants, one million people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and this is our moment to do that. God has strategically set us up to reach our world. And man, what a place to do it from the great city of Rome. Well, we're very excited because in Europe, there is a big issue with trafficking. And one of the things that we're going to do is build a women's resource and life skills center. And we want to be actually the second step. So once they've been rescued, that they have a place to come where they can gain new skills, they can job shadow, they can learn new relationship skills, they can be in an environment where God's love is surrounding them and where their life comes alive again, where their dreams come alive again. Again, where their hope comes alive again. We've always wanted to be in the place where we could reach the most people for Christ. And Rome has over a million immigrants there. And um, by reaching Rome and going there, we get to reach a whole lot of nations and a whole lot of people in one spot. And uh, we get to keep doing what we're doing by traveling, and it's easier to get to the parts of the world from Rome. And um, we, get to, we get to reach people that maybe never had the opportunity to hear that Jesus loves them. So why now? It's a strategic time. People are coming from Africa and the Middle East. They're leaving those Muslim countries, but they're coming in search of truth. And we have the opportunity through the International Christian Fellowship of Rome that we'll be working with to give them the truth of God's love, to really reach them right now in their soul-searching moment, and to impact literally a continent that many people have forgotten, to be able now to go and rescue and restore someone else's daughter, someone else's family, through the ministries of outreach to the immigrants and to those who have been abused and trafficked. It's just a humbling moment for us that God would take us at this season And um, he's vibrant, we're ready, we're excited for what God's going to do. Amen. Well, thank you. Um, You heard Rick say we have a goal to to introduce one million people to Jesus. And um, if you know my husband, he is a strong, bold Italian for Jesus. And um, he's not shy. And so, boys and girls, I know you're about to go to, ch- to Children's Church, but I want to thank you for giving to BGMC. Do you do buddy barrels in your buddy barrels? Because, you know, um, you, you play music. In, and so you need equipment to play music on, and you need computers to do your slideshows and do all of that stuff. BGMC is what pays for the computers and the things that we're going to be needing. So I want to thank you and applaud you for, for doing that and, and the youth for giving to Speed the Light. So I know, yep. I'm so sorry. We forgot. I just went to district council this month, and we were presented as a church with some awards. Want to help me here? Hold that top one. 
uh, and the first one was for the kids and for, for the children. Last year, our children gave $1,636.72 to missions to BGMC. And so, Deb, thank you. I'm going to give this to you. And I forgot to do this earlier. Sorry to interrupt, but you're right on. And Pete, uh, with the youth group, they gave two thousand two hundred seventy-five dollars and seventy-seven cents to in two thousand thirteen, and uh, just doing a smashing job. And so we wanted to honor both of them. Praise the Lord. So missions does involve everybody, all ages, all demographics, and um, I just want to say thank you for Speed the Light. Thank you for giving to that. Um, you know, they uh, technology is something that we we say you can pray for us, you can um, give in in lots of different ways. So you're doing that already, and thank you. And you can come or or go or or send someone to come and be a part of that. But um, I even had the Speed the Light kids asked me for a video to talk about what we would do with our Speed the Light vehicle. And I'm like, okay, I have, like, my cell phone. That's all I have. And so I, they got this little um, not very professional, you know, me standing in my dad's ranch in Houston, Texas with the horses back there saying, thank you for giving to Speed the Light because in our Speed the Light car, which my husband's going to drive because I don't really want to drive in Italy, I'm going to take the metro and the buses and the trains. But he's going to drive. I mean, I could drive, and I probably will drive. The Lord will help me. He helps us get out of our comfort zones. But it's really awesome when you can get in a car and know that you're going to the airport to pick up an AIM team. You're, you can put all their luggage in the, you know, it's a small, small, everything's small. Everybody say small. So it's small. I'm trying to get that in my brain, really. Like, so, so when I'm packing my few things I can take, like I keep saying small. There's a small closet. There's a small sink. There's a small washing machine. Take small. So, But we have this small SUV. We haven't bought it yet, but Speed the Light will provide for it. And, um, and we will be able to pick up people and strap on their tall luggage on the top or get a trailer or something. I don't know. But... Thank you for that. I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I think about, you know, sometimes I think about the fact that we all got to church in probably 30 minutes or less with one mode of transportation. In Italy this morning, the people that go to the International Christian Fellowship of Rome most likely took three modes, walking, so they walked to a bus or a train. Then they got on the train, and or they got on the bus, which took them to the train station. Then they got onto the train that took them into the heart of Rome where the ministry center is happening. And that took about an hour and a half to two hours, depending on what's going on in the city. And if there happens to be some kind of museum-ish, tourist kind of thing that happens, um, then that means it takes longer to either get into the city or get out of the city or something else has to happen. So I mean it. Thank you for a Speed the Light car that I can know I can get to ministry even if the bus or the metro isn't working. So thank you for that. I also wanted to say that you heard in the video that I said Rick is vibrant. And the reason why I said that is because um, a little over two years ago, on November 21st, 2011, he had a giant cell tumor in his head that was uh, encroaching into the brain. And he was on the operating table for a 15-hour surgery to remove this tumor that was wrapped around the carotid artery. It's a giant cell tumor, and um, it's never found in the head. It's only seven cases in the world. And um, usually in the leg, they amputate the leg because it's a hard tumor and it doesn't respond to any kind of treatment. 
And after about almost two hours, the doctor came out to the waiting room and said to me, um, we had to abort the surgery. This tumor is too extensive, and your husband is going to die. And we didn't prepare you for that. I'm so sorry. And you need to go home and get your affairs in order. And I heard him say that, but I want you to know God is in control. I want to say that again. God is in control. I, I've been following God and walking with God my whole life, many decades. But on that day, just a little over two years ago, the DNA of my faith changed. I mean it. I heard him say that. I cried. But in my spirit, I heard the Holy Spirit so clearly say to me, the doctor said, we aborted the surgery. He's going to die. I heard the Holy Spirit say, I aborted the enemy's attack to take him out. You don't worry about this. Now, I didn't know what that meant. Amen. Wait, there's more to clap about. But I will tell you, we went through some treatment just because they said maybe, but we don't know. There's only seven cases, and it never works, and you can't amputate your head, so what are you going to do? And I want you to know he had scans along the way, and this started, what I'm about to tell you, started showing up a few months ago. But as of December, so still, everybody say still. As of December, still, there is absolutely no tumor in Rick's head, and there was no operation, and he still has his head on. (laughs) Hallelujah. So when I say he's vibrant, and the assemblies of God who put you through a big, rigorous application process, no matter how long you've been in the ministry, to be a missionary and, and take the message to people who have never heard it before, said, we believe in you and we give you that stamp of approval. It was just like that from the Lord saying, he's healed. You don't have to worry about it. you got medical clearance. you got all the kind of clearances you need to go. That is amazing. So now... Now what? Now we go because the, the door has opened. Um, we've been going for about 12 years, and we um, are replacing a missionary couple who's leaving, and they ask us to come and fill this spot. My husband is Italian, so I'm just going to tell you some of these things before we get into the message. But a lot of times missionaries have to get visas to go into their country, and that's a long paperwork process and can be really a big hassle when you get on the field once things happen. Because he's Italian by his heritage, um, we have now our dual citizenship. We're both Italians, and we have our Italian passports. We don't need a visa. We can buy and sell for the church anything we need. We can go in and out of the country anytime we need. We can stay as long as we want. We don't have to worry about that. The pressure that that takes off is just unbelievable. So thank you for praying with us and supporting us. On It was a lot of paperwork, believe me, and I'm still getting a few last-minute things together as backup paperwork because you never know what you have to have. Um, But that was something that God did to protect and provide for us. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about standing on your watch and great expectations. And I want to say thank you again for your believing in us. We have raised Speed the Light funds as district youth directors and helped missionaries in so many countries. I can't count them anymore. But now to be the one that people are giving back to us, it's humbling. And I will tell you that every week, uh, almost every day, we get a report from Springfield that says this church gave their monthly support. This church sent an offering for your project for the life skills. This church sent in this person. It's, I can't, I mean, we sold our four-bedroom house in Michigan, which that's a miracle, right? We didn't lose our house. We sold it. That was a process, but it's done now. Hallelujah. We're living in a small little apartment above his parents' garage for a a couple months before we leave in August. 
I'm leaving those grandbabies. And um, I'll be honest and transparent with you. Following God is not always the easiest thing in the world, but it is the most rewarding. And when I get those reports, when we get those reports, my husband even knows what time they come in the morning when he's doing his devotions. It's like hearing you say, we're with you. You're not alone. Go for it. You're going to tell people that have never heard. In Italy, in Rome, there are 4 million people in Rome alone. The Catholic priests themselves, people say, as you hear about Grand Haven, oh, how could this be a mission field? Grand Haven, you're so lucky to live here. Because it doesn't matter that the water is beautiful if they don't know the one who walked on water, right? I mean, really, you can live in the most beautiful place, but when you live there, you begin to see the pain that's happening underneath the beauty of the landscape, right? In four, with 4 million people, the Catholic priests themselves have said to us, we're glad that you're coming to introduce people to God. We know Jesus. So we're going to introduce them to Jesus. But he said to me, we know and we acknowledge that there are only about 100,000, 100,000 in a city of 4 million practicing Catholics. People don't know the Lord. They know Jesus as a statue, like Buddha is a statue in a museum. They don't know him as the living God who redeems our lives and gives hopes to us. We're going to be working in the International Christian Fellowship with over 50 nations. That's why Rick said we want to be where the world is. The world is at ICF Rome. And these are people that are coming through immigration, through trafficking. The 300 girls that were just kidnapped from Nigeria, we know that they are taking those girls from Nigeria. They've done it before. They bring them from the south of Italy up to Rome because Rome is the hub for Europe. They can go anywhere, but then they get stuck in Rome, and they're not let go, and they're on the streets. And now, finally, the UN, which is in Rome, only in two places, New York and Rome, the world headquarters in Rome has said, we know this problem is in Italy. And we know, the ones that we know, there are 24,000 girls on the streets of Rome who don't want to be there, who have been trafficked. And God has given us, over the past 10 years, the opportunity to work in domestic and sexual violence prevention and treatment in Oakland County in Metro Detroit. I didn't know why. I will tell you I didn't like it. There were times when I said, this is not ministry, God. I'm working with all these secular people with secular mindsets. But they hired me because I was faith-based, and they knew that that was a component for healing. And so they had to let me talk about my faith, and I did, to doctors and nurses and police and law enforcement and judiciary. I mean, it was amazing. Trained at the Department of Defense in Washington, D.C., on the world's dime. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. And one day I said to God, and I'm being very honest with you because that's who I am, I'm not really liking this thing, God. I want to be... You know, I just want to be serving you. And, and I, ha- I heard the Lord say to me, what do you want? Let, just so specific. And I said, I just want to tell them that you love them and have a great plan for their life. And he's like, you're going to meet about 50 people today that have never heard that. I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit. And I drive to work, and I meet with one of my coworkers who lives an alternate lifestyle. And she says to me, i got to ask you something. Does God hate me? And I said, no. I said, I'm sure you've heard it before, but God loves you and has great plans for your life. And tears began to stream down her face. At 35, in America, in Michigan, lived here her whole life, not anywhere else, she said to me, I've never heard that before. 
So I say to you on your time to build, we're partnering together as like-minded visionaries, us for Italy, you for this region and Italy and the world beyond, which we have the privilege of working with in Italy, to tell them God loves you and has a great plan for your life. So wherever God has placed you, know it's on purpose. He's given you that position where you're at right now for training. I see it now more than ever that I was trained at the Department of Defense, and so now I'm going to go work with ambassadors and the military attache of America in Rome. I mean, I'm going like, I feel like I'm like that big, but I also feel the Holy Spirit saying to me, no, I've equipped you over the last 10 years. You are prepared for this. So we ask, Rick always says we're asking you to pray. There's prayer cards out on the table. Please grab one and pray for us. We feel it. We know that it has spared our lives as we've traveled. Um, we, we need your prayers. You may give. You may, God may speak to you already. I know you're giving, but in some ways. And you might go or come. You know, there's, we need everything. We need house moms for the Life Skills Center. We need technology experts that can help us make sure technology is working so I can FaceTime with those grandbabies and other things, of course, that are more spiritual. But... You know, if mama's happy, everybody's happy, so that will just make my heart happy if I can FaceTime the babies, like once a week at least. Um, God is faithful. He cares about the little things too, right? He does. He cares about the sparrows. He cares about you. He knows how many hairs we have and what color we change them to or not, or if we lose them. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. So this morning, I want you to know that God loves you and has a great plan for your life. Will you turn with me to Habakkuk 2.1? Habakkuk 2.1 says, I will stand upon my watch and set upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say to me. Will you just do me a favor for a minute? Will you put your hands out like this? You can use two hands if you want. I got the microphone, okay? When you stand on your watch, what you're saying is, God, I have great expectation that what's in my hand, you're going to take and make beauty for ashes. You're going to bring purpose out of the pain. That's what God has done. I give those grandbabies back, but I know, just like my grandmother spoke into my life when my mother was killed by a drunk driver at 39, faith changes everything. Jesus changes everything. So this morning, will you open your hand? with great expectation. It is a time to build, and you are building the kingdom. Thank you for that. I want you to remember that. This week, when something wants to pull you back in your faith and say, no, that's not going to happen, do that back to God. I can't tell you how many times I've been driving down the road, literally, and I've just been thinking about something. Oh, I can't let go of that, that one thing. I just really have to get that to Italy, or I can't. I don't want to leave that one thing, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, you can give me that too. You can give me that too. You can give me that right back. And I do, and I feel his peace and his comfort, and it's amazing. Following Jesus is amazing. If you hashtag, it's hashtag Jesus changes everything, because he does. This is what I want you to hear this morning. Habakkuk 2.1, I will stand on my watch and see what he will say to me. Great expectation. Can you say that? Great expectation. I want you to say it with more confidence. I have great expectation. You say that. Amen. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. That's just not a corporate vision. You have to have a personal vision for your life. I need a vision for this week, for this month, for this year, for this season. And 
Seasons change, but I need a vision, great expectation that God loves me and has a plan for my life. God's word sets for us an example of waiting and watching, being on guard, our position at the tower post. I love what Rick said this morning about you're building for a legacy. It's not just for you. It's for the ones who are going to come after. It's a, it's a position of protecting and preserving the gospel of Jesus Christ, the life-changing message that people have yet to hear. People who maybe once went to a museum that they call the church and saw a statue, and yet their life never changed. Those people need to know Jesus. They need to know he's... Jesus changes everything. He changed everything for me when I was a child. He has changed everything for me as a teenager when I had to say, God, I don't like that a drunk driver took my mom. He changed everything for me when I had to release my husband back into his hands and say, I really don't want to do the next decade by myself, but he's yours. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but he's yours, and he's a miracle now. That's amazing. I also want you to know that um, I'm asking you, what are you entrusted with? The children you care for, the parents you care for, what are you doing with the valuables? You have valuables. They're people. One of our valuables was our daughter, the one in the wedding picture, Jacqueline. Our daughter, I said in the video that we want to go and help rescue someone else's daughter because we know what it is to have your daughter taken. Our daughter was kidnapped at 19, taken to another country against her wishes. Um, I didn't say this in the first service, but, you know, I'm sorting through boxes and things, getting ready. And even this week, I, I found the note that she, I didn't even know where I had. I put it somewhere so in case I had to give it to the police over and over, I had a copy. But I found the note that she left that, you know, I'm taken and I don't have my phone and I can't call you. It, it's very difficult when the one that you love and care for and nurture is hurting and wounded and you you can't help you have to give her back to God and I will tell you that over the next year she was abused in every way you can imagine and even ways you probably can't imagine she was rescued and she came home and now 10 years later fast forward I will tell you that that picture is a picture of redemption that her mind was broken. Her body was broken. So her body's well. She has given birth to a baby girl. Her mind is strong. She went on to get her master's and her doctorate in law. She's an attorney. She puts away the bad guys now. Her spirit is healed. She loves Jesus. She's already helped us to rescue a girl who was taken from Michigan to Africa to Czechoslovakia to Madrid, Spain, and got her back home. Amen. God is the great redeemer. When I say stand on your watch with that great expectation, when I say I'm going and I'm giving God everything, I don't do it without having done it myself. I know what it feels like. I know what it felt like to watch her have to be slowly restored. Time to build. It's going to be messy. These chairs are going to be filled with people who just got mess in their life. What we're going to be doing in Rome, working with people from 50 nations, you know, we have problems just working with, you know, age demographics, right? We're going to be working with national demographics, cultural demographics. Some people worship really loud, and some people worship really quiet. And how do you blend all of that, 50 nations of that? Um, because God, 
does it and gives you wisdom and, and discernment and, and peace. But I want you to know it, it, it's a process. And it, it doesn't happen overnight like that. Yes, the redemptive work of God starts immediately in our lives. He changes things the minute you say, Jesus, change everything. But the process is something. That's what the church is for. That's what time to build is for, so that the kids can learn. My little grandsons, two and five, I will tell you, I am sowing into them as much as I can because I want them to know God loves you and has a great plan for your life. I was with the two-year-old when his baby sister was born just a few weeks ago, and he's writing on the floor on a piece of paper, thank the Lord, um, not counting the milk he threw all over the floor and everything else. He's two, um, but Gigi loves him. And I said, what are you doing, Dominic? And he said, I'm writing my sermon. I said, what are you writing? He said, I'm writing. God loves you and has a great plan for your life. And I said, yes. He heard me. He heard me. And his mom told me just this week she, he, she was getting on to him or something. He goes, Mom. God loves me and has a great plan for my life. <laughs> so he's getting it. That's awesome. My five-year-old grandson, one of our other churches, was kind of doing a send-off for us and did a special service, and unbeknownst to us, had the videos made from our kids and grandkids. And Rocco, unprompted, five years old, said, and we have raised him since he was little with his mom. She was a single mom for quite a while, and, um, and now he's adopted by that beautiful man in that picture. Um, and he has an identity, and he is just an amazing little boy. But he said, Gigi and Poppy, I love you, and I'm going to miss you. I want to go with you. But remember, God loves you and has a great plan for your life. And I said, Lord, thank you that if I can teach them to follow Jesus, even when it's hard, I think that's the best lesson I could ever teach them. That's what my grandmother has taught me. And that's what I want you to hear this morning. That's why you're building. That's why we're standing on our watch. The definition of watch is to stand guard, preserve, be in a position to protect. People are hurting. They don't know they're valuable. They don't. I've worked in teaching skills for healthy relationships in a very hard community in Detroit and the suburbs, okay? In Oakland County, we take in all the way to Pontiac, which is very, very poor, and the rural areas out in the north areas of, of Oakland County and kind of the heart of the suburbs. I don't care how much money they have or don't have in the bank account. I don't care if DHS is involved or NHS, National Honor Society. Seriously, they are hurting. People need to know I matter. God loves me and has a great plan for my life. And that's our job, to be in a position to protect them. I want to tell you just a couple things this morning. Why should you stand on the watch? Why should you build? Why should you partner with those of us who are traveling around the world and, and, and living around the world? Because, uh, we'll get to the others in a minute, but I want you to know, God wants you to know, it does something for you. It does something for you when you invest and stand on the watch. In Luke chapter 9, verse 29 and 32, it says that Peter, John, and James went up to a mountain to pray, stand watch with great expectation, and he prayed, and the fashion of his countenance was altered. Jesus changes everything. These are men that walked with Jesus. They knew, but they went up to stand on their watch about what the future was holding for them, and the fashion of their countenance was altered. 
that is a daily process. That is a situational process sometimes. I can tell you, when my daughter was taken and I had nightmares about what was happening to her and couldn't sleep and would pray and travail for her only to find out in the years ahead as she began to heal that those were things that were really happening to her. And God had put it on my heart to pray, to protect, to help her get through those moments. Um, My countenance was altered. Because I had to come to God saying, I don't know if I'm ever going to see the answer to this prayer. This girl I love who bears my mother's name, I don't know if I'm ever going to see her again. I'm sort of mad at you right now, God, that you didn't watch over her. How did this happen? But we live in a fallen world with bad people. It wasn't because of she anything she did. It's never, ever, this is just a professional side note, but it's never this, the victim's fault, okay? That's really important for you to know as you minister to people. Um, But my countenance was altered because I got to that place where I had to say, Jesus, I give her back to you. I do believe you. I do know you answer prayer. And even if you never answered another prayer, I don't love you for what you do for me. I love you because you're God. My countenance was altered. The DNA of my faith was altered on November 21st, 2011, when that doctor talked to me about Rick. My countenance is altered. Your countenance is altered when you begin to stand on the watch to have a reason and a vision and a purpose for what you're doing. We need to come ready for our character in Christ to be changed. I appreciate the atmosphere in this place. It's amazing. The second thing is I want you to stand on your watch for them. That great expectation that you're not just building for the kids that you have now in kids' church and 252, is that what it is? Club 252, you're, you're building for the ones who are coming, right? You're standing on the watch for them. First Timothy 4.16 says, if you do, you save yourself and your hearers. Hebrews 6.15 said, after Abraham had waited patiently, he received the promise. I'm going because I know that there are a million immigrants alone. Last month, they started, well, about a year ago, they started feeding the Muslims in Rome. And they're feeding about 100 to 150 a week. And when we were there a few months ago, Rick, you know, ministered, and two Muslim men got saved, which was amazing. And then a little while later, one woman got saved. Now, there's a whole other process after that, right? They have to come out of this culture that is so ingrained in them. They're coming from Africa and the Middle East. If they're coming from Nigeria, those girls are going to be coming through Rome. It is a hub. It is a transportation place to lots of other parts of Europe. So we are going to begin to change the culture for them. So we're watching, and someone sent me a video from the ministry in Rome, and I could tell it was a cell phone. But it wasn't like, oh, I'm taking a picture, everybody smile. It was like down here, very discreet, like, you know, they were just watching. And my husband, being the very bold, strong Italian for Jesus that he is, had told them when he left, you do not be afraid to tell them about Jesus. They need Jesus. That's what this feeding program is for. We're feeding their spirits, and we want to feed their, 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 I mean, we're feeding their tummies, and we want to feed their spirits. So with this video, 100 100 Muslims sitting there eating, the Nigerian, who is in the ministry center there, begins to very boldly say, you need the love of Jesus in your heart. Jesus changes everything. If you want to pray and ask Jesus to be in control of your heart, and have, I want you to stand all over, all around this table. I mean, it's a big, 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 long table. And 100 people 
And all of a sudden, I hear rumbling. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't know what this video is. I don't know if I'm about to see them. Like, what in the world is going to happen? I can hear the chairs rumbling. One by one, every single person but one stood up to accept Jesus into their heart. Amen. Give God the glory. Amen. I mean, we both, Rick and I, just wept. And I said, okay, Lord, now. Now we're talking some serious discipleship that has to happen, and we need that equipment. We need those resources to get that done. We have partners that are helping us do that, that are standing on the watch for them. It's not just enough that they heard his name and they met him. We want them to go and bring that light to their country where perhaps many of them will go back to. The second thing I want to say to you is, we're watching for them. Lamentations 2.19 says, As the watch of the night begins, pour out your heart to the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of the children who faint from hunger. We're not talking about physical hunger, although we minister to that, and I'm sure you do in different ways. I don't know how many people faint from physical hunger in this area, but I want you to know they're fainting from spiritual hunger. And that is something we cannot forget. Do not look at the cover of the person and say they don't need anything. That might be the one who needs it the most. And just because they get to walk into a beautiful museum or sit on a beautiful seashore or even pull their car into a beautiful house does not mean that they are not feeling lost and alone and empty on the inside. I want you to feel that for this area. And I know you do because it's a time to build. I want you to know that This is what I have found, even with our daughter's journey, with the journey that I have been on for the last 10 years. They need three things. One, they need unconditional love. God gives us that, doesn't he? He doesn't say, wait, get your stuff all together, clean up, and then I'll love you. He says, I love you. Perché Dio ha tanto amato il mondo. E che dato il suo unigenito figlio. Non perisca, ma abia vita eterna. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I'm, I'm working on my Italian. Okay? Because I want you to know he loves. He so loved the world, everybody, whosoever. Whosoever. They need that unconditional love. And we, when we stand on the watch, we pray that we can offer them acceptance of who they are and know I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to be the one that says, okay, these are the things you check off, you make all these things right. I'm going to be the one that says, Jesus changes everything. He changed me. I don't know, but I do know the word of God, and I can give you the word of God. And I do know the Holy Spirit, and I can introduce you to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And he and his word will show you how to walk out your life. That is unconditional love. My daughter, as she was... Uh, gone from us from a year and, and being abused many times. There was one lady in a church in the little bitty town in the middle of nowhere where who would take her to tea, just come over for a cup of tea. She didn't judge her. She didn't question her. What's that bruise? What's that split lip? What's that this? What's she just would say, come over and have tea with me. And she said, Mom, she was sowing seeds of unconditional love. She was reminding me that I'm valuable. This is a girl who had mom and dad and grandma and lots of people in in the Michigan district, which has been amazing to our family, who was undone and broken and didn't think she would ever be valuable to God again. And that is a lie from the enemy. He wants you to believe that your past 
has tainted you, but I want you to know your past will bring the promise of God to fullness if you will let it. God wants to redeem the things that the enemy means for harm, and that's what we saw God do in our daughter's life. The second thing they need is safety, a place of refuge. That's what you're building. When you build an expanding, expanding ministry, it's a place of refuge. Parents need to know their kids are safe. I don't want it to be so crowded that toys fall on my little Giovanna's head if I'm Gigi and I bring her to your church, right? I want to know that she's safe, and I, I can tell you have a great program. But do you see what I'm saying? That it's a place of safety physically, but it's also a place of safe, safety spiritually. Me, as a first-time guest here in your church, worship team, what an amazing job you did. I mean that. I felt safe to love on Jesus this morning. I felt safe to feel Jesus' love back on me this morning. That's a place of refuge. Thank you for that. Thank you for um, providing that for people in this community. And through your giving and help to us, you will help us to hopefully have a keyboard that's not missing five keys and a broken drum and a broken guitar because that's what they're using right now. But we know God is going to provide so that we can provide that atmosphere. That is a place of safety and refuge. And the third thing is God's supernatural intervention in their lives. John eleven forty says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? The presence of God changes things. When I get into worship, when I get into the word, when I stand on my watch for someone else, even in the middle of, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. I don't know if we're going to lose this house. I don't know if I'm going to see my daughter. I don't know if he's going to live or not. When I get into the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit, it, the countenance is changed. My faith comes alive. That great expectation gets back on the table, right? The enemy's job is to continually knock your expectation off the table. So the next time it gets knocked off, I want you to bring your hand back to God and say, I'm giving it back to you, God. I expect you to come through. I declare it in the name of Jesus, right? I say everything under the will of God, however God wills it. And I, I said that with my husband. I said that with my daughter. I don't know if I'm going to see her again. That was the hardest, hardest, hardest year of my life. Out of all the things I've been through, that was the hardest one. But I will tell you that the countenance of my faith was continually altered when I stood on my watch, when I came with great expectation. I want to say to Pastor and Jessica, as you encounter this building program, it's not just for something fun to do. And it will be fun at times. But it will be stressful. We have been in building programs as pastors. We know that it is a challenge. They need you to lift up their arms. They need you to give them permission to take a day off. They need you to encourage them to take a day off in the middle of it. To say, you know what, you got somebody that you got to meet who is going to give a quote. There's no decisions made, but somebody's got to be there. We'll do it for you, Pastor. You need to go ahead and take Jessica to lunch. Do whatever you have to do. I mean that because it's this, we want sustainable ministry to go forward for that legacy. Amen? And so I want you to continue in that and know that God is going to do that for you. I want to tell you that Jesus watched. 
And others watched in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 18, Abraham stood watch before God. In chapter 24, Isaac stood watch. In Daniel 10, Daniel stood watch. In Ruth 3, Ruth watched. In Nehemiah 9, Nehemiah got the people to watch as they were preparing to build. Prayer is a powerful thing. Great expectation is a powerful thing. Putting your faith in that offering plate, that is a powerful thing for God to move. Not just for this community, but the world. And that's what you guys are doing And we applaud you and thank you so much for that. I want you to know that at the midnight hour, Paul and Silas stood watch. I had the privilege of uh, the, I don't even know if I would call it a privilege. It was just an awesome moment to be in the dungeon prison of Paul in Rome. Uh, We've been going many times, but this is the first time we went there. And no rats, because I probably couldn't have gone in if there had been rats that I saw. They probably do have some, but I know they had them. When he was in there, you can hear the dirty sewage water running around and you can feel that it's very, I mean, you have to kind of duck down to think that with great expectation, Paul wrote some of the most amazing words of encouragement and faith in the middle of some of his darkest, loneliest moments. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Jesus changes everything. Psalm 121 says, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches you will not sleep. Jesus watched from the carpenter's shop he, so he knows when you got to work, right? He knows. He watched from the temple. He watched in the garden. He watched in Pilate's court of persecution. He watched on the cross. He watched in resurrection power. And I want you to know that this morning he is wor- wor- working and watching for you. I want you to put that last slide up because this slide has become really the mantra of our ministry. Mark 9, 23. God's got this. That's what Rick says. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked? Anything. Everybody say anything. Anything is possible if a person believes. 9, 23. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked? Anything is possible if a person believes. This morning, God wants you to know no one is too far from his hand. No one is too far gone to be used by God, and God wants to use you right where you are. And I believe in this service especially, I didn't say this in the first service, but as I was sitting there, I really felt like there was perhaps someone in this room, maybe more than one, because I feel this is sending church. But I believe, I just want to affirm to you, if there's someone in this church that, in this service, has been feeling God calling you to missions, calling you to full-time ministry, God wants you to know he is calling you. You are valuable enough. You are capable enough. You're not too old, and you're not too young for God to call you. Will you stand with me as we close in prayer? Father, I thank you so much for the privilege to stand with this great congregation. I thank you for um, the partnership that you've given to us. I thank you for the heritage of faith and the legacy that Rick and I get to see in, in the kids that we've taken on missions trips, Lord. And this morning, I pray that we would have great expectation about what you can do in our life. As the worship team comes and begins to play, I I believe there's some in this room. We have seen literally thousands of people come to Christ in a new way in the last year, in the first few months of 2014. Literally thousands. And I want to say to you this morning, it doesn't matter whether you make this church your home or not. What matters is that you live and walk in obedience to God because that's where the blessing comes when you walk in obedience to God and with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Perhaps this morning, as you've heard me talk about different things, you've realized that you have not been walking 
in trust of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have not let him have 100% of your heart and life. You have sin in your life. You have walked in disobedience to Christ even this week. And the Bible says disobedience to God separates us from Christ. And this morning, we don't want anyone to be separated. We want you to know that you can be in right standing with the Lord. So with every head bowed, I'm not going to embarrass you, but the Bible says where two or three agree is touching anything, it's done. So I want to pray for you. And if you're in this room and you would say to me by lifting your hand, Jennifer, I would like you to pray for me. I need to give Jesus 100% of my life. Will you pray for me? If that's you all over this room, would you just lift your hand? Thank you. Thank you so much. I see those hands. I see that hand. God sees your hand. He sees your heart. He wants you to be 100% sold out. Anybody else join these four? I see you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Can we pray together and, and say this prayer? God knows our heart, but it, we're declaring something over our lives. So say it with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I give you 100% of me. And I receive your love for my, my life. I receive your purpose for my life. And from this day forward, I will follow you all the rest of my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Do you know there's been nine people, I believe, this morning that have made a new commitment to the Lord here in your community? That's amazing. That's amazing. God wants to do new things for you. New things for you. Don't ever underestimate or undervalue that decision to say, God, I need you to be in control of every corner amen. I want to ask you something else. Maybe you're in this room and something I have said resonated with you. You need a miracle. You're believing for a miracle. It might be a miracle for your church or your ministry or your family or yourself, but you would say by lifting your hand, well, pray with me for my miracle. Would you all over this place? I see your hands. Miracles. You're believing for a miracle. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing because I do want to pray for you. I want you to step out of your seat and, and it's kind of like declaring you know, to the Lord and to the enemy also, I am stepping forward for my miracle. I am declaring the beginning of my miracle or the ongoing process of my miracle, whatever that is. So as the worship team begins to sing, would you just step out and come? And we're just going to stretch across this place and we're going to have a time of prayer. Would you do that for me real quick? Thank you so much. God wants to give you that miracle this morning in the name of Jesus.